You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back to The Catalyst, everyone. I am your host, Samantha Chris, and today's guest is Mahalia Verna. With over 20 years of experience, Mahalia is a versatile producer driven to lead teams that create impactful stories and bring life to a creative vision. As a growth and impact strategist focused on the long-term vision, she uses deep thinking methodologies to influence stakeholders. She believes that when people are fully engaged and inspired, we can achieve so much more. She is the co-founder of a grassroots organization for female leaders, and she is passionate about sisterhood and its role in community and career development. Mahalia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Samantha. So happy to be here with you. Likewise, I'm particularly fascinated by how you view change. So before coming on to the show, I asked all my guests, what does change mean to them? And you said that it is as much of a strategic as it is creative process that facilitates our greater narratives, which are made up of the stories that we tell ourselves about where we come from and where we're going. Why are stories such a fundamental part of change, in your opinion? I see it as when I think of change, there are four words that come to mind. Opportunity, reflection, learning, and action. I really see change as the opportunity for us to really dig deep um, into taking the opportunity to do things differently or to reassess uh, actions, thoughts, principles, beliefs, values, and roles, and to learn and grow from that and to take find agency in what we uncover through that process, uh, which is which can often be an introspective one, especially if we embrace uh, that opportunity. Um, so I see that as being foundational to to change. With growth and impact being such a large part of what you do, I'd love to know what put you on this path. I do believe that what put me on this path goes way beyond my own career path. I, I kind of interestingly enough think that it might be tied to coming from a big family and being the youngest of six kids. That's mm-hmm. how far back I think it goes. Um, because I, growing up, I always took on the role of the observer. Uh, being the youngest and being in a family uh, full of strong personalities with people with lots of opinions and stories to tell. Um, I often uh, was in the observer, listener, assessor role. Mm. And I believe that it's through that experience and my upbringing that I developed those those aspects, um, those tools in a way, those life tools of being able to go into any space and to um, find my place and define my place in that space 
and to listen, observe, assess, and then help see what role can I play? What can I contribute to this environment, to this situation, to this organization, to this project, to this community? Uh, and in what way do I feel that I can enable its growth? Uh, and how can I have an impact? How can my contribution have an impact? I love that. And I think it's such an important message. I mean, whether or not you feel called to be on this journey of growth and impacting others, the concept of listening, observing, assessing, and seeing what you can do to help, I feel like we would just be such better people if we all applied that. Agreed. Yes. Yes. I believe it's, I believe it can be challenging to make space for that because there's so much societal pressure to perform and deliver and to do so as much as possible without making mistakes and mm. do so as much as possible by having a certain level of certainty, which is never guaranteed, but that's the posture that we're often pushed to buy into. That resonates so deeply right now. I was actually having a conversation with my boss last week and he called out a major blind spot of mine and it was this tendency to perform. And I was being very, honestly, just not fully transparent in my answer because I felt like I needed to show up a certain way and I needed to save face. And he was like, Sam, this isn't, one of your talks, like you don't got to get it right the first time, like just let us in, <laughs> show us what you're thinking, what's on your mind, just, you know, show up fully. And, and I got the listening part down and, and I think I lost myself maybe a little bit in the observation stage and got stuck there instead of fully being able to assess what can I contribute to this conversation that would truly help. And instead kind of just stayed silent and gave a very blanket answer that wasn't indeed helpful for anyone because I was like, well, this sounds polished. Hmm. Yeah. I, what I'm hearing in there is the, the conviction, the belief that we always have to be our best self or to mm -hmm. showcase our best self. And that's where the whole performative aspect and the pressure that comes with that comes through um, and it it dilutes the authenticity and the value of that authenticity that can come through there is actually value in being able to say I don't know or I'm not familiar with this but it's definitely something that I'd like to look into or that I'd like to know more about or it seems to me that perhaps you know, the other, the other, speaking to the other person, you might know about it and I'd love to hear your thoughts or I'd love to learn from you. And, and by allowing ourselves the I don't knows, those moments and being authentic about them, it invites other people into the collaboration and the dialogue and the partnership to ultimately come together and get things done and work towards whatever desired um, result 
there is to achieve together. It's yeah, it's a great point. And I think these are, you know, at least for myself anyway, this is one of the things that I know better. You know, I I know, but in practice, it's very different. And in the moment, it's even harder. And it can feel really overwhelming when you are accountable for driving those results and you are responsible for, you know, bringing certain things to the tables. It can feel like I don't know or I wasn't prepared for this is like the end of the world. The, the way I kind of tie it back to change is that anytime that I feel I've been caught off guard is because, you know, a, a result or symptomatic of the fact that I'm doing something new. And largely why I was, you know, brought in and, and trusted to partake in these projects or contribute on a certain level. But when change does occur, when things are new and the ground does feel a little shaky or, or unstable, it can feel really isolating. Like I've got to figure this out alone. I'm the one who is tasked with this. I'm going to figure it out and I will bring, I will bring results. I will bring progress and, and I will bring that performance to the table and, and this is a, an overgeneralization here, but I do think that women may struggle with this a little bit more. And so how do you think that sisterhood, which is a huge you know, part of your, your mindset and what you teach and how the value that you bring into communities, how do you think sisterhood helps women, especially to navigate through these, um, either these types of scenarios or, or the change process in general? It's interesting because you're touching upon an element that's really important and that I feel that in general is not talked about enough. And that's the role of fear as part of change, as part of evolution. And it takes, it takes a lot of courage to move beyond leading and acting from a place of fear, which can be quite debilitating. And if I reflect on my own journey and the role that fear has played into it in, in informing my decisions, my actions, my, the community that I've built around me and the resources that I've tapped into, I feel that it's very much something that was not uh, spoken of or taught or addressed. And I believe I came to being able to unwrap the aspect with regards to fear and its role in change and in one's uh, journey and evolution, I believe I was able to tease it out through my connections to my network, my sisterhood, my community, my, my, my very um, female-led inclusive community. Um, there are some great guys in that community as well, I have to say. Um, uh, but I really feel that it, it, I was able to deal with what does that mean? Like, what does, what is this fear? What is this, what is this sense of maybe I'm not making the right choice or maybe I don't necessarily have the skills or the know-how and and the questions around, should I really be going for this opportunity? And if so, why? And if not, why? And I was really able to address these types of questions that are, that are embedded in the unknown, tied to the unknown and the idea of fear um, as I go through the ebbs and flows of change and of my career journey and life, life journey. Looking back, I, the sisterhood is really what helped me 
flesh that out because um, these these women uh, that are so central to my life have been my support network. They've been my sounding board. Uh, they've even been my vision board, and and I've been that for for those women that I'm I'm talking about and. Sisterhood is something that, again, um, I have to bring it back to my upbringing. Uh, I'm the youngest of six children. We're four girls uh, with a very strong matriarch uh, that had her own community of very charismatic and strong uh, women whether it be her sisters, her cousins, her friends. My mom had that community, that female-led community around her. And myself and my siblings were, we grew up with that. Um, you know, there's the expression, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, we very much experienced that. Uh, so everybody was auntie. All the women were auntie, whether they were blood-related or not. Um, and any of them, could chime in if we were doing something ridiculous or saying something ridiculous, they could take us to task because they were a part of the community that was helping raise all of us. And that stayed with me. And I, upon reflection, I do see how that informed a lot of the uh, re my relationships, mm -hmm. how I evolved and how, especially in adulthood, that idea of sisterhood, that, that, that idea of like my tribe, my go-to tribe of women, of uh, female leaders uh, really became important in my evolution. It's interesting because so many, <clears throat> excuse me, so many of the women that are in my network have had really strong supportive women who are there for them to poke holes in their plans, to be their cheerleaders, to advocate for their ideas, whether it's their businesses, you know, their startup idea or a cause that they're really passionate about. And yet there's still this preconceived idea that women are catty and competitive and untrustworthy, but that doesn't seem like it was your experience at all either. And so is this something that you think is still a reality that you're just choosing not to partake in and you're curating the women in your network? Or is this, you know, a bit of an outdated belief? Unfortunately, it is not an outdated belief. It's very real and it's not talked, it's not addressed directly enough. And I can understand that. Uh, I can understand that because there are still so many hurdles to equity, but that's not to um, ignore that or to say that it should be set aside and swept under, under the rug. I do believe that we should work towards having frank conversation mm -hmm. about the harm that we the 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 harm that we can inflict on other women. Um, and so, yes, to to your point, my the choice that I've made in the past few years was to work towards um, curating more and asking myself who who do you feel with whom do you feel you can be 
your fullest self. Mm-hmm. Who sees your humanity? Who sees you? Who hears you? Who champions you? Who appreciates you? Who values you? And vice versa, because I very much see it as like a two-way, you know, I'm I'm the cheerleader for a group of women that I know have my back. Um, and so I did evolve towards uh, having more, as you said, curating. Who do I define as being part of that tribe? So we've talked a little bit about having that support in a professional context. Of course, you know, this goes back for you as far as childhood and really being uh, surrounded by women who contribute not only to your upbringing, but your view on life and really teaching you what it was like to be part of a sisterhood and a community. But there's a part of your story that I'd like to also bring to the forefront, which is your journey with breast cancer and how building a community of women around you really helped you through that time in particular. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, to, to go back to when we were talking about showcasing our best selves, getting the breast cancer diagnosis flipped all of that on a dime. Mm. Um, and it really, it was it's very challenging to put it into words, uh, especially seeing as it's, you know, it's something that I've talked about within my inner circle. Um, so in having it in this conversation, it's, I'm, I'm situating it in like, I'm opening it up, right, in a mm-hmm. sense. And um, I have to say that despite it being an extremely scary experience um, because it's basically what the diagnosis ushers in is this idea of, is this it? Is this, is this the end? Am I, am I done? Um, What enabled me to then move beyond those initial thoughts and that initial fear was how my community responded and just surrounded me almost immediately with, I'm here for you. What can I do for you? How can I help? How are you doing? What are you feeling? What do you need? What does your family need? Uh, And I must say, I told myself at that point, wow, I must have done something right in this lifetime (laughs) in order to get such an amazing a response. And I, I really shifted my mindset from the, oh my goodness, this is it to, hmm, my community, my tribe's got my back. I can do this. I can do this. I can be laser focused on embarking on my cancer journey, uh, in having, my whole system be taken over by a whole bunch of chemicals in order to get the bad stuff out of my body. And so I saw it as an opportunity to, again, as someone who, uh, as you had so ably described, uh, you know, the speaking of your experience of uh, feeling 
I got to be prepared. I've got to, I've got to showcase that I've got the answers. So going from that place to, I've got to basically fight for my life and thank goodness I've got my community to help me and my family go through this. Um, and thank goodness for all these amazing women around me with whom I can talk in depth about what I'm experiencing, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, um, and to embrace the help. Mm -hmm. Because that's another aspect that's very challenging, to accept the help, to welcome the help, to right. accept the love, to welcome the love and the support. It's not a given, especially when driven to always give it your all, do your best, uh, you know, almost being told like, be perfect mm -hmm. <laughs> and be your own self-made person. And so, so I embraced, I embraced that help. I embraced that support. I embraced those opportunities of connection, of deeper connection with my community, with, uh, with my sisters, that's sisterhood, back to the idea of sisterhood and, and, the, the cancer journey itself, it really, it, I, I embraced how it not only stripped away at the disease in my system, but it stripped away at whatever misconceptions I had in my mind, or it really pushed me to, towards seizing the opportunity to reflect, to learn and to take action, um, not just in fighting the disease in order to get better, but to reflect on, wow, where am I at right now overall in my life? Not just in terms of my health, but where am I at in terms of family, career, friends, life goals, all of that. It, just it, it was it was that change that shift that that life event was an opportunity has there been a sustained change because i think these moments these pivotal moments of our lives can often come with silver linings with aha moments you know these kind of light bulbs go off and sometimes we have a tendency to fall back into past habits or old ways of thinking is there a long lasting change that has accompanied, you know, that journey, that specific chapter in your story? Yes. Uh, I believe that by choosing to reflect, by choosing to learn, I took action and made some really important decisions around boundaries, around my goals, I, I really seize the opportunity to gain clarity on what does the next chapter look like? Mm -hmm. If I make it through, then what is it that I want? If I make it through, what is it that I don't want anymore? So that's where, you know, the idea of boundaries comes into play, like mm -hmm. comes into play. What's a go or what's, what's a no go. Um, and to really, not let go of being able to tune into myself 
and pay attention to my gut feelings, my gut instincts, my thoughts, my reflections, to, to, to really lean further into that idea of who am I and what do I want and to, to live according to those realizations, that, that self-assessment mm. uh, that I did at that time. So yes, there are definitely things that are, there are no go, there are no go now. And it's almost as if, you know, like a, a bell goes off as the minute that I get a gut feeling that I might be going down um, an old path or an old bad habit for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, so much is about choices and, um, you know, there, we can say there are good or bad choices, but there's a learning experience. There's a learning experience in everything. And so, yeah, definitely um, there were changes for me. And I think one of the changes I must say was really trusting even more uh, my community mm. uh, and, and really letting my community champion me as they had done through, through my cancer journey to, to, to really embrace that uh, moving forward more so than ever. That's beautiful. So you have a weekly newsletter on leadership, wellness, inclusion, and how they're informed by the ebbs and flows of current events. Is there a tool or best practice that you've shared with your sister network that you can share with us here today? It's interesting because I got to tell you what, what triggered this unexpected newsletter. There was, there were three things I must say. And that is that, um, during my cancer journey, um, I had so many people, well-intentioned people checking up checking in on me on a regular basis. And, uh, and my friends had, um, created a meal train. So every weekend I was getting to see, uh, friends and family that were bringing, bringing food, uh, bringing meals, delicious meals for me and my family on a weekly basis. And, you know, all of that had to be organized and everybody wanted updates. So I wrote to everyone once a week to give them updates as to who came by, uh, how I was feeling, um, what were the, the latest news. And so I, I spent you know, the better part of over a year communicating in, in that way. Um, and then um, everything was done, all the treatment, treatments were done and I was in recovery and the pandemic hit. And then, um, you know, so aside from the uh, coronavirus uh, spreading, um, the racism virus reared its ugly head tenfold Mm -hmm. with the murder of George Floyd. And as I explained to you during my cancer journey, I did a lot of introspection. And so I was very much in tune with, um, with confronting tough issues and how tough issues sat with me inside Mm -hmm. of me. And in that moment, I, I realized I, I can't stay silent in the sense that those around me, I, I need to be able to tell those around me how 
how this is affecting me. Um, because everyone around me, they saw me fight the good fight. They saw me work towards being cancer-free. They saw me evolve in my career, in my family life and whatnot. And so I was very much seen as, you know, the person who can take it, who can roll with the punches. But in that time, I really felt I've got to put down the armor um, and I need to let my circle of female leaders know. Um, because one of the things that I realized, uh, Samantha, that was really valuable is, um, you know, prior to my cancer journey, I was very much uh, into um, talking about leadership and, and embracing inclusion and equity and belonging. And, but I believe that the wellness piece was perhaps missing from this whole go, 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 go getter dynamic. And so to connect it back to um, the reckoning, I realized, well, I'm not well right now. I'm not well. And I need to communicate that because there's something, I just hope that by verbalizing it, then something will resonate. And so I put it down in a, an email newsletter and sent it to my circle of female leaders. And the responses were amazing, astounding, enlightening. And it created, it triggered like a deepening of connections. It triggered, it propelled some of them into action, into even having conversations with colleagues and clients and questioning them as to beyond posting a black square on social media, like, what are you genuinely going to do? Mm -hmm. And, and from there it became a weekly dialogue and, and I didn't stop. So once a week uh, I was sending out a, a newsletter, um, uh, sharing links, sharing thoughts, asking questions. Um, when I got, when I started working again um, and, you know, I mean, I, I basically changed jobs during during the pandemic, uh, which is which is quite an experience in and itself in of itself uh, to virtually shift, uh, right? And um, you know, we'd ask each other questions with regards to the pandemic. It definitely has taken its toll on our teams. How? What are your how tos? What are your tips and tricks to help your teams? Um, continue to be engaged and to uh, take time for themselves and to um, deal with uh, video conferencing fatigue, all those things. So uh, it, it was great to throughout again, what, what is such a change to seize the opportunity to connect, to reflect, to learn from one another and to take action. I love that we've kind of come full circle here. It has given your network, yourself included, an opportunity to listen, observe, assess, and offer help. Absolutely. Oh, so great. So where can we learn more about what you're doing, what you're working on? Well, the best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. And, um, and yeah, and at times I do share some, some of the, uh, tidbits from, 
from what I learn uh, from, from my group, um, I do share that uh, more broadly. And um, yeah, this has been really wonderful to have this conversation with you, Samantha. It's been great. I so appreciate you taking the time. And for all our listeners, Mahalia's LinkedIn a link, try saying that three times, LinkedIn link will be in the show notes. So you got easy access to that. Mahalia, thank you once again for being on with us today. Thank you so much. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.